Amen, amen. Appreciate you guys this morning. Y'all let James and this group know how much you appreciate them leading us in worship today. And they just did an a awesome job this past weekend as well. James was helping lead during the worship times. And I will tell you, James is unbelievable for a 72-year-old man. You know what I'm saying? So he does great. I'm just kidding. But we're blessed to have him so blessed. Y'all ready for a Bible study this morning? Say yes. So let's open up to 1 John chapter 2 in your Bible. 1 John chapter 2. If you're a guest of ours, we're just going through this book verse by verse, and that's where we find ourselves this morning. The last two verses of chapter 2 and the first three verses of chapter 3. And as you're opening up your Bibles this morning, I just want you to know that every single one of us in the room have something in common, all right? Now, what do we have in common? Here's what it is. All of us have the capacity to actually influence other people. Now, here's what's awesome about God, all right? God has called us into a personal relationship with him. He desires for us to place our absolute dependence upon Jesus Christ for the salvation of our soul. And then the Lord also wants us to develop and mature spiritually. And then he has this great desire for your life and mine to become a dynamic influencer. Now check this out, God is sovereign over all things, all right? So God ultimately decided, listen to this, where you would live, where you would work, where you would go to school, and where you would play. So God ultimately decided those particular places, and he has, listen to this, sovereignly put people around you so that you might influence them for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So where you live, God has people around you who need to hear about him. Matter of fact, where you work, God has people around you who need to hear about him. Where you school as well as where you play. So you, as a person who wants to be all that God has created you to be, need to have this white hot passion to actually share Jesus Christ with other people. Now I will tell you, there have been times in my life, students, when I was fired up to share Jesus with other people. I remember on one occasion actually flying to Africa, and as soon as we got over that massive place, I looked out the window down on the town, and I could see the lights flickering in the nighttime. And it was in that moment, man, I, I just experienced something that was, uh, I guess, supernatural, if I can use that term. God exploded my heart to share Jesus Christ with those individuals who were present there. And I'll never forget that. Man, I was just so overwhelmed with this need to go and shout it from the rooftops that individuals can be saved from their sin. So I was just about to explode. I also remember on one occasion just sitting across the table with a good friend of mine and God began to open up conversation for us to share what God was teaching us. We began to invest in one another. You know, the proverb says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And I remember us really sharing truth of what the Lord was doing in our life. And man, I left there so fired up about Jesus. I just want to tell everybody. And there was a time in my life, and there have been times in my life, when I wanted to share Jesus with every single thing that breathed. Are you listening? So it's like if people wouldn't pay attention, I would share the gospel with a dog. Can I get a witness? Right, come here, I'm going to share Jesus with you. But I will say to you this morning, there have been times in my life when I was the exact opposite too. There have been times in my life when I wasn't on fire, my heart wasn't exploding, but instead I was absolutely ice cold, all right? I had no compassion for people who did not know Jesus. I could walk across multitudes of people without any consideration of the fact that they have a soul that's going to spend eternity somewhere when they die, and there's only one of two choices, heaven or hell. 
And that was so cold that I could literally just walk past them without any compassion whatsoever to seek and try to share the gospel with them. And if you think about this weekend, students, you guys are all fired up. Y'all been talking about Jesus since Friday night. You're here this morning. You're excited. You got people in your life that you want to share the gospel with. And right now, maybe you've experienced kind of what I've experienced before when my heart was just about to explode. And you're like, I need to tell someone. But the reality is there's going to come a time when your heart can grow cold. And there's a time as well, wouldn't you agree, adults, that you have grown cold to the things of God. In fact, I'm all excited that you're here at church today, but you know, some of you just flat out, if you were to be honest, and we could open up the chest cavity of your life spiritually and look at your heart, we would find one that is iced over. You don't have a passion for the things of God. You don't have a passion for the gospel. You don't have this desire within you really to become a dynamic influence in the lives of other people. So what do you do? Matter of fact, we can say it like this, what do we do when we grow cold? What do we do when we have no motivation to really be the dynamic influencer that God saved us to be? And that's what John's gonna talk about this morning in 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 28. You're gonna get some answers, some motivation, Lord willing, from this text. So let me invite you to stand with me in honor of God's word this morning. 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 28. You got it there in front of you, say yes. The Bible says, now little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he's righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. In chapter 3, verse 1, check this verse out, I love it. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we would be called children of God, and such we are. And for this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. And beloved, now we are children of God, but it's not yet appeared as what we will be. We know that when he appears, that's Jesus, we will be like Jesus because we will see Jesus just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Let's bow together. Father, we thank you for your word this morning and ask that you would motivate us, especially us who perhaps are cold in our walk with you. Our hearts are like ice. There was a time we can recall in the past where we were passionate, we were fired up about the things of God, but maybe this morning there are some individuals who are just flat out cold and they need a word from you. God, I pray that you would give them this word and we would apply it to our hearts and lives and that you would be glorified. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray and everybody said, amen, amen. You go ahead and be seated. All right, so are y'all ready? Say yes. Uh, three things, I'll, and by the way, this isn't just a sermonette for Christianettes, all right? I want to encourage you to jot these three things down so whenever you've experienced this coldness in your heart, you can revisit these truths in prayer. All right, so the first thing that John does, it's like he's saying, if you need motivation to become a dynamic influence for the cause of Jesus Christ, think about this, you are going to see Jesus very soon. All right, Jesus Christ is coming soon. And it's as if John is saying, you need to be proactive. You need to be involved in absolute dependence upon the Lord. You need to be involved in spiritual development. And you need to be involved in influencing others for the sake of the kingdom. Be involved in that. 
And he says it there in chapter 2 and verse 28. Now, little children, abide in him. That's the idea of walking with the Lord Jesus. Now, notice this. So that when he appears, when he shows up, can I say it to you like this? When he comes for you, and then John says there are two responses that you can have when Jesus comes for you. And these are pretty sobering, all right? So the very first response is what I would just call excitement. He says it there in 2 and 28. He says, we may have confidence, and you, you might want to circle that word confidence because that word means boldness and courage, all right? It gives the imagery of actually having this confidence in your life so that when Jesus comes back, you're so excited to see him that, listen to this, you run to him with arms open wide, desiring to embrace your Savior. That's the imagery there. You're taking off. And the reason that you're so excited is because you've not been wasting your life. The reason that you're so fired up is because you know you have been doing what God has called you to do. You're involved in God's plan for your life. You're experiencing Him daily. You're looking forward to Him coming. And so when He comes for you, you're smiling, you're cheering, you're super excited to see the Lord. But then there's a sobering reality. And that sobering reality is found there in that next little phrase. He says that we may have confidence, and then notice this, and not shrink away from Him in shame at His coming. Now think about this, right? So you can have excitement when Jesus shows up for you, or you can be embarrassed about your life. You can just flat out have a red face. Jesus shows back and you're embarrassed because you've not been doing what God's called you to do. Uh, you've not been depending upon Jesus in this life. You've not been uh, maturing spiritually in this life. You've not been seeking to influence others. Listen, if Jesus shows back up for you and you are not one bit passionate about him, and when he shows up for you, you are red-faced, and the idea here is that you are covering up, bending over, your heart is swollen at that point, and you're like, what have I been doing with my life? Just embarrassed. And when Jesus shows up, listen, he's not impressed that you can throw a curveball. When Jesus shows up, he's not impressed with how much cash you've got in the bank. When Jesus shows up, he's not impressed with what you drive. When Jesus shows up, he is looking at your heart. See, he doesn't look as man looks. Men look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks right down to the heart. I gave you this couple of pictures up here on purpose this morning. You can kind of see that little girl to the far left. Uh, that's actually excitement. Are you listening? I kind of re-looked at it and she looked a little scared at the same time, didn't she? But she's fired up, all right? That, that's the idea of, a, I don't know, Christmas morning. She can't wait to get there to see what she's got. And then on the other hand, you've got a guy who is absolutely apologetic. It's like he got caught, all right? It's like, what have I been doing? When you look at those two images, I, I want to ask you the question. If Jesus were to come back for you, listen, right now, which one of those images would best picture you? Would you be like, there he is, been waiting, been looking for you, there you are, come here. Or would you say, man, I thought I had more time. I was going to do some things for you. I was going to give my life. 
Just embarrassed about it. Listen now, now look at me. I bought a eyeball. Are y'all listening? Say yes. That was nobody. Are y'all listening? Say yes. All right, good deal, good deal. Because uh, I, I do, I want to encourage you. All right, I want to help you. My goal up here is not to try to make you feel horrible about your life. All right, because some of y'all do, I can tell. Right. What I want you to know from a pastoral standpoint is that I don't want you to be embarrassed. I want you to be looking for Jesus Christ to come. I want you to be busy about abiding in Him, doing what He's called you to do. Man, that's my heart for you. That's my prayer for you. That's what I've been lifting up to the Lord all week long in preparation just for this morning. So listen, if your heart is ice cold today, I need to encourage you. Just be remember, remembering that uh, you're going to see Jesus soon. So be proactive. Now, there's a second statement here, and that is uh, look again at his love and be overwhelmed. All right? Look again at his love and be overwhelmed. Look at chapter 3 and verse 1. You got it there in front of you? Say yes. All right, the Bible says, see how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God and such we are. And you can see the phrase there, how great. And I love that terminology, right? I'm studying that in the Greek. It literally means from a different country or from a different world, right? Whenever we experience something kind of awesome in this life, we say stuff like that. We say, that's out of this world, man. That is otherworldly. And that's what John's saying. He's saying God's love is out of this world. It's unlike anything you can experience here upon the earth. And he has bestowed it upon you. And he does this through his son, Jesus Christ. He applies his love to your life and my life through the power of the Holy Spirit when we come to faith in the Lord Jesus. And it speaks of the fact that God has made a heavenly transaction with us, depositing in our hearts his love. And I love what John does here because this is a command. So in chapter 3 and verse 1, uh, we read it and it doesn't sound like one, but it really is. He's saying, look at how great his love is. Look at it. Pay attention to it. Refocus your attention on the love of God. And then he goes a step further and says uh, simply that we should be called the children of God. And really, just let that sink in, all right? Think about your life for just a second. Uh, who are you? Now think about mine. Who am I? that God would redeem me, adopt me into his family, and give me the opportunity to be his child. I mean, we don't deserve this. This is an overwhelming, unconditional, out of this world kind of love that's been poured out into our hearts. And he says there, for this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. And that's interesting, isn't it? The world does not know us. In other words, we stand out. We look differently. You know, one of my favorite things uh, to have happen to me since I've become a dad is to get an uninvited, unsolicited hug from one of my kids. All right, top left-hand corner, that's actually my little girl, Marley. Isn't she cute? That's the question you're supposed to answer with yes. Yes. Very cute. Can y'all give me an all on that? Oh, that's sufficient, brother. All right. So anyway, they've all done this at one point in time in their lives, but I just recall Marley recently. I came into the house kind of later on in the night, and uh, she heard the door open and shut, and then I just heard her around the corner saying, Daddy, Daddy's home. And then I kind of walk around to the kitchen, and here she is, full on sprint, arms wide open, hair flowing back, slow motion. You listening? Here she comes, here she comes, Daddy, 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 Daddy. That's what she's yelling. And then I just reach down, she jumps up into my arms, and she squeezes me as tight as she possibly can, like crazy bear hug. Y'all listening? Y'all just want to go home on that? 
Now, you don't understand that love because you're not in my family. It's kind of foreign to you. Marley's not running up to you. She better not be, not that I know of. That, that is an out of experience for you kind of love. That's what John's saying. John is saying this, when you came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, at that moment, you were given a spirit whereby you can call out, Abba, Father, Daddy. And when you run to him in prayer and you run to him in the divine word, that is an opportunity for you to experience a strong squeeze from the Lord. And those who are not in the faith don't understand. They have no clue why you would spend an entire weekend praising Jesus. They have no clue why you would show up on a Sunday morning and give your worship to the Lord Jesus Christ. They have no idea why you would spend time throughout the week in God's Word. They don't understand that concept. They look at you and consider to you to actually be foreign or outside of anything they can understand. They don't, they don't know the love of God. That's why Paul the Apostle tells us in the book of Philippians that our citizenship is in heaven that we are aliens and strangers in this world. In other words, we're passing through and we look different. And so listen, whenever we are overwhelmed by this squeeze of God, it should drive us, motivate us to tell other people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because those who've not yet been adopted into the family of God, those who have not yet come to know Jesus Christ, they need to know this kind of out of this world love. Listen, they will not hear it unless you speak it. And so every single one of us have been charged by God to be a mouthpiece for his kingdom. And then I love verse 2 of chapter 3. It says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it's not yet appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. You know what's wild about that verse of Scripture? All right, this is crazy. They're actually translating this verse of Scripture on the mission field into the language of that community. And the scribe was writing it down, and he got to the very last little phrase there where he was supposed to write, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And he put his pen down and said, no, 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 I cannot write this. It is too great. Let me instead just simply write, when we see him, we will fall at his feet and kiss them. He was overwhelmed, overwhelmed by the love of Jesus. And if you think about this this morning, that's what it's teaching. Whenever Jesus comes for you, whenever Jesus comes for me, the Bible says we're going to be like him. That means we're going to be given a brand new body. Listen to the preacher eyeball to eyeball for a second, all right? The Bible teaches us that we're going to be given a body fit for eternity that no longer has to deal with sin. Can I get a witness on that? Amen. We'll be given a brand new body that no longer has to deal with disease and sickness. Can I get a witness on that? We're going to have this brand new body fit for eternity. We're going to be like him when we see him. And I'm confident the reason you and I desperately need a new body is because we could not withstand the great glory of God fully exposed to us in these old bodies. We'd be crushed immediately. Now listen, listen. 
The love of God not only saves you out of your sin here upon the earth, but the love of God promises you an eternal home with Him in heaven where you will be like Him. Hey, who are you? Who am I? That God would lay such love upon our hearts. If you're not passionate about the things of God, maybe that's what you need to do. You just need to stop and you need to look again at His love and just be overwhelmed. Let me give you a third thing here. If you're growing cold in your heart, let me encourage you to keep Him in your sights and be transformed. Keep Him in your sights and be transformed. Chapter 3, verse 3, the Bible says, everyone who has this hope fixed on Him purifies Himself just as He is pure. Now look at the preacher for a second. The word hope there speaks of a confident expectation of things to come. So we are confident that Jesus is coming for us. And when we fix our attention upon Him who is pure and without sin, it is in that focus upon the Lord Jesus that we ourselves are actually purified. I remember growing up, my parents used to like to get rid of me at least a week every single summer, amen? And so that's what they do. They drop me off down there with my uh, grandparents and I don't know where they went, but they seemed to be enjoying it. So there I was, but I loved going to my grandparents' house because my cousins actually live right up the street. And I had a cousin who was my age, all right? His name was Jeremy. And uh, I remember, man, we used to, as soon as I would get dropped off, I'd be on the phone calling him. Well, I would go straight to his house the entire week. We'd be hanging out, doing all kinds of stuff all week long. And then at the end of the week, my parents would show back up, pick me up, carry me back to our house in Marietta. I remember driving up I-75 with a lump in my throat, right? I'm going to miss him. But then my parents would say, well, tell us what you've been doing. So I began going through the story. Here's what we did. Here's where we hung out. Here's what we saw. Here's who we saw. Here's how we were acting. And then it wasn't very long in the context of that conversation that my mother one time just said, hey, stop for a second. Why are you talking like that? I said, what do you mean why am I talking like that? She said, you sound just like one of them. So what are you talking about? She says, you have picked up some of their slang. Apparently I was using the word ain't several times. Are y'all listening? I'm just letting you know I picked it up again since I moved up here. Ain't that right? But here's what had happened. As I spent time with my cousins, I began to actually talk like them. I even began to walk like them, began to try to dress like them, began to try to act like them. I even picked up brand new words from them. Then it dawned on me. This is past week. That when you and I focus our attention on Jesus and we're walking with Him and we're talking with Him and we're in His Word, you know what happens? We begin to pick up His vernacular. We begin to talk like Jesus. We begin to walk like Jesus. We begin to think like Jesus. We begin to become compassionate like the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, when you focus your attention on Him, you are transformed. When you focus in on Him, that is the time that you are purified. That is what sets your heart on fire for Christ. And here's what I've discovered. The time frames when I was the most cold in my life were the time frames when I allowed my passion to move from Jesus to other things. 
When I allowed my passion to be sidelined or distracted or I was caught up in sin. When I have these times in my life, those are the times that I grow cold. And so what do I need to do? I need to go right back to this first John and remember, hey, Jesus is coming soon. Man, I need to stay focused and be proactive. Or the Lord Jesus is coming soon. Man, I need to look again at his love. Let me be overwhelmed. God, I need a tight squeeze from you today. Then ultimately, I just need to look to Jesus so I can become pure. So being honest before God, look at me eyeball to eyeball this morning, everybody. Where are you? If your heart were truly examined this morning, where would it be? Would you be on fire for the things of God, having this great heart to influence others for the kingdom? Or would you just be kind of going through the motions with a cold, dead, lifeless heart? Too many people caught up in church who are dead. You've got to look again. Amen? Let's bow together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that these three realities would become nothing short of kindling for our hearts. And Father, I pray specifically for those who are here this morning today. That you would set our hearts on fire once again. With your head.